August 1st, 2021. Summer on the Mount. Week 4. The Secret Christian Life. Well, good morning, everybody. You know, I, I think many of you thought, we have this new lead pastor, he's been here, and then he disappeared for a while. Where in the world did he go? Well, we went on vacation for a couple of weeks. We actually got out of town for two straight weeks, which was wonderful to get out of town. And not that I, I miss seeing all of your smiling faces, but to spend time with our family, just the five of us, was a gift right before my daughter goes away to college in just what is now a few weeks. So we really had a great time. And I know Pastor Steve did a wonderful job. Um, he's, he's remarkable. Steve is such a gift to our church. And to know that when I'm not here, he's here and his family on vacation right now. It's just a beautiful thing. But we are in week four of our series, Summer on the Mount. Now, you've picked up by now that this is based on the Sermon on the Mount. And when we chose to do this series, it was for very good reason, because as you look at our world right now, as you look at the newspaper, social media, or just wherever you look, things look like they're in chaos. And I have to say this too, and followers of Jesus, it would appear at times, add to the chaos. And we decided, you know, let's, let's pull back for the summer and truly focus on the teaching, truly focus on the teachings of Jesus to see what he would say and how he would have us live in this world, what it says in the scriptures, how it instructs us as followers of Jesus to live each and every day of our lives. From prayer to caring for the needy to dealing with law, the religious law, from divorce and fasting and judging others, salvation and, and, and so much more is contained in this sermon. And we've been looking at it week in and week out for the last few weeks. And this is the key uh, conclusion I want you to draw today. And, and hopefully this fits into the way you're thinking. Followers of Jesus should be different than other people. We should be different. We should look different. We should act different. Our hearts should be different. The way we love and care for others should be different than the way the world does it. Why? Because we have a risen Savior who changed everything. And as his followers, we're supposed to follow in his footsteps. We're supposed to be his disciples or learners. And as we are, as we take in the word of God, as we learn and grow, the, the scriptures are not for behavior modification, they're for transformation. So that as you read the word, it sinks deep into your heart and it changes you from the inside out. So you don't act differently because you're told to. You live and act differently because the scripture has changed you. Because the Holy Spirit is alive and well in you. And that's why we're looking on this, at the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus taught, as he taught you know, on the hillside, and after having been in Israel and seeing where they think he did so, it's a beautiful place. But as he taught from that hillside, what does it mean for you and me today? Yes, following Jesus means salvation. But really, that is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that follows behind salvation. There's so much more that it means for you and me to follow Jesus each and every day of our lives. And that's why we're doing this series. So let me pray before I, I jump in. Father, I thank you for this morning. 
what a gift it is to be together and worship the way we just did, to come before you, laying our praises at our feet. And now, Father, I pray that in the moments that follow, we would hear directly from you that, God, I would fade away and that your spirit would speak to each and every one of us. And, and just as how we need to hear these words today, that you would convict, that you would encourage, that you would open our eyes to new realities and truths that maybe we've never thought about. And that as a result, we all leave here transformed today. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I was writing this message, and you'll see why I'm going here in a moment, I was thinking of what it was like being a young parent. Maybe it's because I have a kid, my oldest is going off to college, like I said, in just a few weeks. Or maybe, you know, I'm just looking at younger families and say, I remember then that was me. Do you ever look at a young family, I'm sorry, young families, and say, I miss it, but I don't miss it. <laughs> Do you, have you ever been there? I remember in our house, we have three children. They're all, you know, 17 months apart and then... I should get this right, 27 months apart, right? Looking at my wife. She nodded her head. I got it. I passed the test. So our house was always abuzz with activity, whether there was crying or bottles or whatever until they got older. And then last week, there were no more bottles. It was incredible. But it was always a place where there was constant activity. Whether it was, and maybe some of your families had them, those little princess um, high heels that would clomp all over the floors of the house, and you could track the kids just by the sound of the shoes all over the place. It was incredible. Or there was always singing in our house. Oh my goodness, the singing. I love music, and I'll just leave it at that. If your kids, you know, maybe you have the perfect kids and there was never any fighting in your house. There was some in ours. There was laughter and screaming. And my wife and I always put the kids to bed at 8 o'clock. We had enough. They don't like that anymore. They sort of push back on that. And that's probably fallen apart a long time ago. But that was our rule. But one thing concerned us above all the noise. Do you, do you know what I'm going to say? What concerns a young parent above all the noise? Silence. Silence. Because you know when it's quiet, they're probably doing something that you don't want them to be doing. Right? Yeah, they're sneaking around, they're in the cupboard, they're doing something that you really would rather they not do. And I have a couple pictures to prove that this happened in our house. And kids, I'm sorry. My son already put his hands over his face. I see it coming. So the first picture is actually of him, uh, Jacob. And he had this ability to over and over again, just rip all the toilet paper off the roll, rip, 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 and then just sit it and play. He loved it. He would sit there forever. But did you ever try to roll toilet paper back up again? <laughs> Nearly impossible, but yet he did that, and we'd walk into the bathroom and apparently take pictures of him as he did this. But the next one might be my favorite, because you can see my kids' artistic abilities. <laughs> One time, the house was incredibly quiet, and they had markers, apparently. They found a pack of markers, and they decided to draw on each other. Now, you may have seen them. I don't know if you remember this. They could have been like that for weeks, because I think they were permanent markers. It doesn't try scrubbing a little kid's face. It doesn't usually go well. But when things happen in secret, behaviors happen in secret, they're usually less desirable behaviors. There are usually things we don't want other people to know about because we're trying to hide and be secret about what we're doing. We're embarrassed. We know that the activities we maybe were engaged in are sinful, so we do them in secret. However, today, 
as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will teach us that there are some things that are better done in secret. There are some activities in the Christian faith, in the Christian life, where if you do them in public, where everybody can see, Jesus will tell us in just a few moments that that's less than desirable. And in fact, we should retreat and be by ourselves to do these things he tells us about. And the three things we're going to look at is how we give, how we pray, and how we fast. There's the whole message. You can go. But as we look at Matthew 6, 1 through 18, Jesus will make it clear that these three activities, you know, we're not to do them to be seen or to impress other people. Because as soon as we think we're impressing others, we lose out on the blessing of the moment. And as we look closer at these three things, I think you will get a glimpse and, and hopefully some action steps on maybe things you would do different in your walk with Jesus, ways you would live and act and serve that might be different than what you're currently doing. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18. We're going to take it in three sections, starting with verses 1 through 4. So here it is. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do... You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Let that sink in. If you do good deeds for all to see, the, God won't reward you at all. And Jesus continues, So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. No, don't do that. I tell you the truth, they have already received the reward in full. But then he speaks to you and me and listen to his words. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Did you see it? When you give to somebody, when you see somebody in need, when you see something going on in somebody's life, don't step into the situation and let everybody know what you have done because you've already received your reward. He, he even says you'd be a hypocrite because you stepped out and did something. And the act of service is fine, but when you did it, you did it with the wrong heart and the wrong motive. In this culture, it was common for people to um, care for the poor. There was no welfare system. There was no government backing. So it was up to people like you and me to care for the needs of the community, to care for the needs of the people we knew, know, love, and trusted. It was almost, you could say, our religious duty or their religious duty to do so. But that can be done, as Jesus said, poorly in objectionable ways. When you put your reputation above helping those in need, you've got it out of whack. When you serve others, when you give to the poor, when you step into their pain so that others know how great you are, you might as well not do it at all. It's to be done in secret just between you and God and the person maybe that you're serving. It is important to give not to be known to give. 
It's important to give. We as followers of Jesus should be giving. We should be uh, the front line of people who step into other people's need and their pain. But as soon as you do it so others know you're doing it, it it's, it's really worthless. And precautions need to be made so that your heart remains in the right place, so that you give out of the right place. I love that we have giving boxes around the room now. Because now as you come in or go out, you can drop your offering in the boxes without anybody knowing. You can give online in the same thing. Nobody knows what you're doing, but just be honest with me for a second. This one, this is funny. So you laugh, I'm giving you that first. When we used to pass the plates, did you ever look at what people would do? I'm just asking. I may be a little guilty. I know when you pass those plates, it's not necessarily done in secret all the time. Around here as a church, um, giving has become very accustomed to us. It's been what we do. It's been a way of life for many here for many years. And you probably understand the joy and just all that goes into it when you give, how people respond and the joy that floods your heart. But let me ask you a tough question. This is a hard one. And And I'm sorry in advance for asking it. What is your motivation forgiving what is your motivation for giving to other people if your motivation is so that you can be praised so that people will see how great you are or or that you can do things like that you've already received your reward you've received it in full Author and theologian John Stott once said, Christian giving is to be marked by self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness, not by self-congratulation. Self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness. So you sacrifice, you give above and beyond maybe what you feel you can, but you give maybe, and I encourage you to do this, you give until it hurts. But then when you give, you forget immediately what you did. You don't, you don't keep a record where I did this and you puff yourself up. You let it fall. It's not met by self-congratulations. As we give, let us give in secret. Jesus encourages us to do so. And as he encourages us, and it's probably more than an encouragement, he's probably saying this is the way to do it. We should follow suit. There is an immediate reward. There have been times where where I've seen it or people have told me of this experience they've had where they've given to somebody unexpectedly and, and then the joy that flooded their heart as they stepped into that place and gave, that was part of the reward. They just felt like this is how what I was created to do, to give and to serve. And I know some people have started doing it in little bits and pieces here and there to continue to grow and grow and grow and become a lifestyle because they love feeling like they're living out the word. They're living out the scriptures and doing exactly what Jesus said and that fills them with joy. Give in secret. Continuing on in verse five. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, 
go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done is secret will reward you. Don't pray to impress other people with how much you know, with how eloquently you speak. Do not pray hoping that that's the the purpose, but prayer is really this intimate connection between you and God. Where when you truly bear your soul and pray to the Lord, it's like you're, there's no one else in the room and there's this intimate connection where you're just, you're, you're, you're in that space. And when you enter into that space and pray, it, it deepens your walk with the Lord. It grows you as a person. It helps you to understand that there's more going on than maybe what you see and understand. That communion with God is so important, more important than the reputation you might think we're building by praying in public, wowing people with what we know. Now, the scripture is not forbidding public prayer. Like we pray in services. I know there's prayer meetings that gather all the time of people laying their their requests down. My community group, we pray with each other regularly. I don't think, I don't believe it's referring to that. It's referring to the motives with which you pray. Do you pray to impress other people? Or is it truly a connection between you and God where your eyes are focused on the one true God. This would be my encouragement to you. Carve out a time and place where you can just sit with the Lord regularly, maybe daily. I'd encourage daily. If I was going to ask how many people in churches like ours across the country spend daily time in prayer where they just connect with God in that level, I think I'd be surprised at how low that percentage would be. But the Lord encourages us. Jesus tells us to do it in secret. So why don't we do it more? My favorite time to pray is before anybody's up in our house. Like I told you, it's already a noisy place. So as soon as somebody gets up, it, it all changes. In the summer, I like to go outside. I have a space outside. I like to pray in the, in the winter or the fall or when it's inclement. I, I like to be in my recliner or different places in the house. And you know what ruins my prayer time? When anybody else in my family wakes up. And I'm not saying that cruelly. There's something about when the house is perfectly still and quiet and you're not praying in your head, you're actually praying out loud, talking to God, which is a little bizarre when nobody else is around, but sharing your heart, your thoughts. When you're bearing your soul but to God in times like that, it's powerful. In October, we're going to launch our new mission, vision, values. And I'm going to give you a sneak peek into one of our values, of which there are seven. But one is prayer. We're going to become a praying church, if I have anything to say about it. And the definition or the way we're describing prayer is simply this. We connect directly with God individually and collectively. At times, we listen, repent, lament, Give thanks and intercede for ourselves and others through the Holy Spirit. We listen to God in prayer. Stop talking. Pray out loud when it's time, but then just listen. Listen to what the Lord Lord tells you. Confess and then turn from your sin as you repent. There are times in prayer where I've just cried out to God because of the circumstances in my life or what's going on in my heart. It's just appropriate to lament and to cry out. 
or to give thanks and be sure to pray for others and ourselves. According to Jesus, we are to pray in secret. Pray in secret when nobody's looking. Not in the synagogue or in the church in this our case. Not on a street corner where everybody can see. But have that regular time where you bear your heart to God. There's one more thing to do in secret and it starts to, Jesus starts to tell about it in verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others or to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I've been around a lot of people who have fasted over time. Some I've known they're fasting and some I've had zero idea what they're doing. And some of the ones who you know that they're fasting, the stories are pretty interesting. You ever been around this person? You know, you're, you're around them all day. Maybe it's somebody you work with. In my case, it is a couple times. And as you're going through your day, they just start saying, man, I'm hungry. I'm like, well, do you want to go out to lunch? No, I'm fasting today. Well, uh, no, but I'm really hungry. And they just go on and on all day telling you how hungry they are instead of truly doing this in secret. Have you been around that ever? I'll tell you, it's really interesting. Um, as you are, they, they really have received their reward in full. Richard Foster in Spirit Celebration of Disciplines describes fasting in this way. This is fascinating. Fasting reminds us that we are sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Food does not sustain us. God sustains us. In Christ, all things hold together. Therefore, in experience of fasting, we are, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting on the word of God. Fasting is feasting. Fasting helps us keep balance in life. Do you hear what Foster's saying? When you're in the middle of a fast, and this is what I would encourage you to do. As you're sustain, abstaining from food and, you know, whether one meal or two meals or a whole day, or I've known people have done it for 40 days. I haven't quite got there yet. But whatever the fast is, when you have those hunger pains, understand that food is not truly what sustains you. It sustains your physical body and allows you to keep going. But listen to what I have to say. It is the word of God that truly sustains you. It is the scriptures that when you take them in and let them sink deep into your heart, that is what gives you the ability to take step after step, day after day. It, it, as you read the scripture, it, it floods in you and over you and gives you the ability to see and understand things you've never thought before. And as we talked a little bit earlier, it allows you to be changed from the inside out. When you fast like that, your reward is pretty immediate because you understand that life is not about food and the things we see in front of us, but it's all about God. And you've, as you fast and feast 
as you feast on the word and it fills you up, the reward is clear. Jesus doesn't tell us the frequency or the occasion or the method for which to fast, but he does tell us the motive. Jesus tells us to fast in secret without anybody knowing. The oil on their head was to make their hair not look disheveled, to wash your face, to look perfectly normal, and to go about life knowing that you're sacrificing food so that you can truly understand the scriptures more clearly. To breathe in, to read in the word of God. Fast in secret. Jesus teaches us to give, pray, and fast in secret. All of those things are between you and God. Nobody needs to know. You can tell your spouse if you want to, and I encourage you to probably. You can tell a close friend or maybe your community group, but don't post it on your Instagram. Don't tell the world what you're up to. As you do those things in secret, you have this intimacy with God and the reward that Jesus talks about becomes more and more clear. The true reward is intimacy with God is better understanding who he is and how to follow him with each and every breath that you breathe. In John 12, we get this glimpse of what it looks like to not do these things in secret and and what happens to people who choose not to live this way. It was true that many religious leaders did follow Jesus. They thought he was really interesting, but in this verse, in these verses, we get a look at what was truly going on in their hearts. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him, believed in Jesus. There were many who did. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. So yes, they believed, but they didn't want anybody to know. And this last line is chilling. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. They loved human praise more than praise from God and they got the reward in full and they missed out on the fullness and the beauty of what it is to truly seek after Jesus. Don't make the same mistake. Don't live in that place. We saw that, and Jesus said three times, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It was in each of those three sections. And again, the reward is unclear. He doesn't define it, but I do argue that it is likely that connection between you and God. And maybe there's something else in the future, something else that he will, he will set down and do, and you'll understand it even more clearly, but you can be rest assured that immediately you will sense an intimacy with God. Hypocrites have already received the reward in full. It's worth waiting for. It's worth waiting for. When you give, pray, and fast in secret, the Father will reward you. You can guarantee it. Maybe this week, maybe there's one of these three that you don't do well or maybe you've never done at all. This is your homework. That maybe today or tomorrow you you decide which of these three you're gonna sample and try this week. Maybe you're gonna give in secret. You're gonna know, you know somebody in need, you've already identified them in your life and you're gonna do something that nobody else knows about to make an impact in that person's world. 
a financial gift or a gift of time, but you're going to give in secret. Maybe you're going to decide to give here and you haven't done that in a while. But you're going to give in secret to somebody in need. And as you do, without telling anybody, see what happens in your heart right away. Maybe you need to carve out daily time to pray. You need to find a space and a place when there's no one to disturb you, nothing else going on, where you can focus on God and you. And you can present your requests. You can sit before God. Quiet your heart. Talk out loud to him. And give it a shot. And see exactly what happens in your life as you do so. Or maybe you need to skip a meal. Not because of dietary issues or concerns, but because you're going to fast and come before the Lord and give up food so you can feast, like Foster said, so you can feast on the word of God, letting it fill you and change you from the inside out. As you give, pray, and fast in secret, the Father will reward you. I can guarantee it. Let me pray for you. Father, I I thank you for this time where we can come together, where we can learn, where we can begin to understand the things in Scripture more clearly than maybe we have before. And Father, I pray that each of us would try one of these things this week if we are not doing them already. That maybe we would give in a way we haven't before. We would pray and block out time to spend just with you. That we might give up a meal and focus our attention on you in ways that we haven't maybe in a long time. But as we do each of those three things, Lord, we would feel and sense your presence and the reward would be that intimacy with you. That we would understand you more clearly and how you want us to live in this world. We would experience joy. Maybe again, the joy of our salvation that we've been void of for some period of time. That, Lord, as we do these things in secret, we would sense your glory. Father, I pray that during this last song where we have time to reflect, that you would speak to each and every one of us. That as we're pondering what we might do, that you would make it clear that our attention and our gaze would be on you. We thank you for this morning, a time of worship and learning. It's so good to be together and in your presence. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jess and Jamie are going to do one last song, and it's a more quiet, reflective song. You can sit, you can stand, you can just pray, you can do whatever you want to do, but just reflect on the words and maybe what the Lord's doing in your heart right now.